0: This is the Big Time Talker Podcast. I'm Burke Allen. We're in Washington, D.C., in our glass-enclosed Nerve Center studios. Actor Ron Milky is our guest today. You may remember him from Friday the 13th and lots of other horror films. It is October, after all, as we head towards Halloween, so we thought Ron would be a great guest. Big thank you to SpeakerMatch.com for sponsoring the show today. Ron Milkey, thank you for being on the program And let's talk the original slasher film. You played a a police officer in that film, and this is now 43 years in your rearview mirror. And perhaps it's what you're still best known for. Did you have any idea when you filmed uh, Friday the 13th that it would become this sort of cultural phenomenon?
1: Well, first of all, how could it be 43 years when I'm only 29 years old? The math just doesn't work, does it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. It, uh, no, none of us did. Uh, none of us did, Burke. We, we had no idea. We, didn't, we weren't even sure we were going to get paid. It was uh, that low budget. But um, actually, when you think about it, 1979, it was a $600,000 budget. So that wasn't that low back then, you know, but compared to today's uh, horror budgets, you know, million, a couple of millions or whatever. So, no, it was, uh, we had no idea. And uh, the script, when you just read it on the page, it, it didn't sound that exciting. It was really the genius of several people. Sean Cunningham, number one, Harry Manfredi, who wrote the score, and not only the score, but the sounds you know, and Victor Miller, who wrote the script and some good actors, including Kevin Bacon. And so uh, it was just the right time. And don't forget, Burke, that it had just we had our first big um, horror film that that broke all records the year before. And that was what? You tell me. Jaws. What movie was that? I
0: would say Jaws. No. No. OK. Nope.
1: Give it to me. What, what do we have coming up October 3rd? What do we have coming the up October The very first 30th?
0: Halloween movie.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. So that was the, that broke records, and then we came the next year, and we broke records. It was the number one moneymaker of 1980, and then we we're off to the races. And then we got, you know, Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream and all the rest.
0: Ron Milky is our guest today as we uh, gear up for Halloween. And he is Officer Dorf in the original Friday the 13th film. Um, you mentioned a young Kevin Bacon in that movie. And, and he had done Animal House and just a couple of things. What are your recollections of a young Kevin Bacon?
1: Uh, I liked him. He was just about the coolest actor I've ever worked with. Very sort of self-confident, a little cocky, but still well-mannered and and a good, good kid. And I remember one thing where we had rehearsed the scene just once. We moved very fast. And so we're filming, and I see him walking over to my motorcycle. I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? This was not in the rehearsal. So I go over there, and he's got a hold of my radio. I grab it out of his hand and it was a nice little improvisational moment that he added that i had no idea was coming and uh, yeah, i liked him he was a good kid and uh, as you know a wonderful actor and uh, became a star who who would have known
0: he's done okay for himself this kevin bacon kid i think he may have a future in the business <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> well you know he was working i saw him in the uh, diner and a couple of other movies but his big breakthrough film Burke was, um, oh my gosh, the dancing kid about dancing put loose What was Footloose? There you go. That was his breakthrough. That's what made him a star. You
0: mm-hmm. played a, a motorcycle cop in this movie. Did you ride a motorcycle before this, or was this something you had to learn in order to, to do the <clears throat> that's movie? An,
1: uh, that's another story. The legend is that I fell off it. I did not fall off it. I knew how to ride a motorcycle. That's what I told Sean and I did, but not very well. So I was on the motorcycle. I'm just starting to take off and it started to fall to the left and I just jumped away and it fell. You know, it it didn't fall on me. So Sean said, you're not riding the motorcycle. (laughs) We had a state trooper uh, do it in the film.
0: Um, When you guys went, went up to the camp to actually film this thing. And I've been on a few movie sets um, did you have any inclination as you sort of looked around you that this movie would take on, uh, sort of the, the sinister feel that it, that it did, or did, did you think it was going to be campy? I mean, could you tell from your time on, on the set, what this thing was going to look like, or when you actually went to the first screening and saw it in the theater, was it completely different than what you imagined?
1: Uh, What happened was I never got a chance, because I was the last minute choice, I was the last actor to be cast in it. I didn't even get to read the script. I had no idea what it was about. So I just, I did my thing and I got an idea of who the character was, Officer Dorff. And then when we had the first screening, oh my gosh, it was all just the cast and the technicians and people involved in the film. And nobody laughed at my part. And I'm, I'm getting a little worried. I said, gee, I thought it was, you know, no, there's supposed to be a little comedy relief, a little light, you know, little lightness before the murders start. And uh, I was disappointed that nobody, uh, nobody said anything to me. Uh, you, know, you were good or even, you know, that was great work, Ron, nothing. <laughs> Betsy Palmer comes over and says, gee, do you think I was okay, Ron? But we didn't know anything. <laughs> we didn't. And then about uh, a few months later, it's breaking all records. And I went with my wife at the time and another couple to a theater in New York City, and they were laughing. So I said, "Thank you, God." Ron Milkie is our
0: so, guest today from the original Friday the Thirteenth and many other films. Um, after that, you you wound up working a lot in the horror genre, and you know the those of us lay people who are just fans of movies and television. We hear a lot about typecasting. You know, if you're Gilligan, you're Gilligan forever. If you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're uh, Batman forever. Are you forever going to be linked to the, the horror genre because of Friday, the 13th?
1: Um, not so much of the horror. Yes. I've done about 14 horror films since then, but more so as the cop, the cop, the sheriff, the head of whatever. I'm a, you know what I mean? I'm in a uniform and that's okay because that's called branding. You know, um, the most famous cop in, in films before my time before your time. Well, long before any of us, his name was Barton McLean, and nobody knows who he was, but he was always the cop, always the detective. So, um, I was branded, and they're always good parts, and so I'm not uh, I'm not ashamed to play those roles, you know. And um, sometimes I'm not the cop; I'm the doctor or, or or whatever. But I just finished a film, and I was the sheriff. And um, before that, I was the sheriff <laughs> a sheriff in a film that's on. Uh, you can Google it or, or, or stream it. It's called. His name was Jason. I played the sheriff in that. And then the cop and this and that and FBI. It's okay, you know. I'm okay with it. What do police
0: officers say to you whenever they meet you in person?
1: Oh well, that's it. I get a lot. Of, we do the conventions. I've done conventions all over, and of course, the big one we did last year at Camp Crystal Lake. It was for the cast of Friday the first first uh, Friday the thirteenth one and Friday the thirteenth two. And I have a lot of cops that are fans. And they just come over, and they shake my hand, and they say uh, right on the picture, never keep the chief waiting, because that's what my guys say to me. I'm the chief of police in some town somewhere. And they always say, never keep the chief waiting. And I asked them, what is that from? And they said, well, that, that's from Officer Dorf on Friday the 13th. Every time that loony gets drunk, he gets his calling. I end up spending the morning in court, and he gets a week in jail. So I had a lot of uh, cops that were fans. And they, um, you know, they liked what I did, and uh, yeah, that they, that's interesting, isn't it?
0: That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. You're you're one of them now. You're like a man in uniform. Ron Milky is yeah, our guest yeah. today. He's the uh, actor who played Officer Dorf in Friday the Thirteenth, and has done a whole bunch of other movies and television shows and streaming series. And and you also, um, I read, have have worked very consistently. As a very high level um acting instructor there in New York City for a long time. What is it that that you tell young people who are interested in, in trying to make a living as an actor? You know, we always hear it's a really tough field. It's tough to get into. What what is it that that number one piece of advice that you give to young wannabe actors and actresses?
1: What I'm gonna do is give you even more information, even though you didn't ask for it. I'm going to give you the the five prerequisites to become successful as an actor. Okay. What do you think number one is, Burke? What would you say the number one element or the number one thing you have to have to become successful is as an actor? Give me me a guess.
0: I would guess talent. You would have to be talented.
1: No, that's what everybody thinks. Talent's number three. The number one, the number yes. one uh, thing to become successful is your desire, your, uh, and amb- you have to be determined, determined, uh, ambition, you know, and, and really out there that you'll, you're going to do this and, you know, uh, ambition and desire. That's what I call it. That's number one, number two. Don't say talent, still isn't. Number two is persistence and fortitude, sticking to it. You have no idea how many times I was thinking about dropping out of acting, even after Friday the 13th, because it didn't really take off as a cult movie for a good 15, 20 years. Wow. And, it's, you know, I was doing work here and there, but still not enough to make a living at it. So I just I just stuck it out. Number three is talent. Of course you have to have that. Sure. And um uh, let's say number number four would be knowing who you are and what you have to offer. You know, knowing what kind of parts you, pl- you can play, what you'd be good at. And number five can be number one, and that's it's who you know.
0: Your relationships, your so, friendships really make a difference.
1: Yeah. It's who you know, because I had worked for Sean Cunningham before, and so he knew me. And, you know, and, you know, I know a lot of actors that, you know, not not even talking about nepotism, just knowing the right person. I just did a movie because my buddy Nick um, is the lead in it and somebody dropped out. And so, yeah, it's, it's who you know that that is one of the prerequisite for success.
0: Ron Milky is our guest today from the cast of the original Friday the 13th film as we gear up for Halloween 2023 and uh, the show brought to you by speakermatch.com. You mentioned that that Friday the 13th didn't become this sort of big cult sensation for a, a very long time and and if you google Ron Milky uh, and you go to the IMDb page in fact I see there was a big gap between Friday the 13th and and your next film and so I have to ask you uh, as an actor working actor you live in new york city not an inexpensive place to live tell me about the <laughs> worst non-acting job you ever had
1: oh, god. oh my god there were so many i mean <laughs> uh i worked a in long list a kitchen you know yeah kitchens. you know and hot steamy kitchens as an assistant cook a, a bus boy uh, uh a department store detective uh uh, actually one of the worst jobs I've ever had was a couple of years ago where this guy is, um, t- having these acting classes and I had to travel to not far, but like to Boston and to, uh uh, 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 Northern New Jersey. And, and, uh, and I had to teach these kids and it was impossible because they were five or six years, they couldn't remember lines And some of them had uh, attention deficit disorder and they're all over the place. And their mothers were there and saying, you know, are you going to get my kid in the movies? And it was like just a horrible job, believe it or not. This was Ah. just a couple of years ago. So I'm glad I'm through with that one. But I've done everything, um, you know, movie theater, usher, uh, just, you know, and I look back on it now and it wasn't so bad. Because I still had the dream, I still had the ambition, and I said, "Well, this is not what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, I hope." And so we just took what we could. You know, I knew—I I don't know if you know this or not—but I used to hang out with Al Pacino before he became famous.
0: Tell me about and,
1: that. Uh, we, yeah, we worked for the um, the Swift Messenger Service. And, uh, I'm not going to give you the year, but you, you get an idea how old I am. And, um, and oh my God, he, he, we had, I saw him about 10 years ago and I said, Al, do you remember when we worked for the swift messenger service for a dollar 65 an hour? Wow. He said, Ron, a dollar 35 an hour.
0: Wow. And,
1: uh, yeah. And then, uh, uh, we were both poor, you know, just just struggling to be actors. But he was a great a great guy, and he loved acting. We'd talk about our favorite actors, Albert Finney, Marlon Brando. It's sort of ironic we, that we talked about Marlon Brando and look at Al's big break, who we're who starring with in a big Hollywood movie, right? So that's a, yeah, a good friend yeah. to have,
0: Al Pacino. That's not too shabby, my friend.
1: Yeah, that's that's true, and I a lot of people know about that and. They asked me about it, and uh, yeah, I mean he was uh, he was uh, determined and, and talented, and uh, I know a lot about you know his early work. And he he was oh my gosh, he didn't even have his own apartment. He would stay with this girl for a while, and then she'd throw him out and another girl, and then he would be uh, yeah. But he loved acting, and he would audition every year for the Actors Studio. Now back in those days, they only took two people a year. And he auditioned for seven years in a row. And in the seventh year, uh, he got in. And I remember the day I was walking by uh, this bar called the Riviera, sort of an actress hangout in Greenwich Village. And I hear, Ron, and it was Al. And he says, come on in. I'm going to buy you a beer. I got into the actor's studio. And that was the beginning for him.
0: What are, are guys like Al Pacino and Kevin Bacon um, like? You've you've worked in the uh, the movie industry for decades now. You've spent your fair amount of time around these very very successful actors and actresses. Does all that success change those folks, Ron, or is it an individual case by case basis? Uh,
1: I can't. <clears throat> I have to say that yes, it it does change them. It doesn't mean that they become a bad, you know, a bad person. It's just that, uh, my gosh, when you reach the status of Al Pacino, it, you know, of course you have to change. I know he was doing a play in on um, Broadway a couple of years ago called China Doll. And one of my students was security, working security there at the theater. And Al would come to the theater. He'd have to put under disguise he'd put on a scarf around his face and he, he acquired a limp. And and so you see him walking down the street, he had to do that because the fans would come up to him and ask for his autograph or start talking to him. So he would put on this disguise uh, with a limp and, and and sort of a a, a crazy outfit just to get to the theater. And then of course, on, on the way home he'd have his limo waiting for him. Of course it changes you, you know, and I'm sure, you know, um, Kevin Bacon, too, and I worked with Ellen Burstyn, and she was um, I liked her very much in a movie called Grand Isle. And, uh, yeah, it, it does. Of course, it changes your life.
0: What a wonderful like actress. If you were to... Ellen Burstyn, what yeah, a
1: she, she is. She is, and I liked her very much, and she's still acting. You know, the new Exorcist is coming out this month? Yes. The remake? Yep. Yeah. I,
0: saw I, uh, I saw that you served in the air force and uh i wanted yes. to, to hear about your your military service and thank you for your service by the way and how you transitioned from that into becoming an actor you, you grew up in connecticut so walk me through your early years were there other people in your family that, that did community theater or how did you get the bug to begin with and then how did you go from that to the air force to doing this for a living
1: do we have time
0: <laughs> I'll make time for you, Ron Milky. <laughs>
1: well, like so many actors, I was from a a, a a broken, what they called a broken home in those days. My my mother and father were divorced when I was two. And I went to live with uh, my grandparents and my mom. And and uh, so, you know, and then a lot of, you know, my, I don't know if I should go into this kind of personal. My stepfather threw me out and went back to live with my grandmother and then this and you know, that. So I just had to get out of that, and so I joined the Air Force when I was 18, and um, it was a good move. It was a good move for me, and I did. I had wonderful duty. I was a DJ on the, on the AFRTS Radio, Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Nice. I was a DJ, and, yeah, and I did the news. You you have a you're a radio announcer. I can tell by the way you introduce your show. Yes, sir. and i did that and i, I would do the uh, the sports and news on tv at night we had 5000 americans on this uh, base lodges air force base in the azores and we had a little theater group and so i i did some plays there okay and then uh yeah then i got out of the air force and I went to college and didn't do very well there and didn't have any money so i just did a, a production of west side story and i met some professional actors and they said come to new york And then I did, and you know, I just struggled like so many, and uh, that's about it.
0: You did West Side Story. Does this mean that Ron Milkey is not only an actor but a dancer as well?
1: No, I (laughs) have no talent in that area at all. (laughs) I don't even know. I can't imagine how they even cast me as you know, I couldn't sing, I couldn't dance. What am I doing in a musical? You know, it's not my thing but i was at a, i was working at a radio station nearby and, and i was a name so they just gave me any part i wanted and so i played uh, one of the jets uh, i think i think action was was the character's name i had to <laughs> I, <laughs> think about it. I had to do the, ba- the ballet that the, the jets do and oh my god it was so bad oh. <laughs> you know, See, um, if that
0: were today there would be cell phone video of that out there to embarrass you
1: fortunately this was before probably something. Right. Somebody would have it.
0: Hey, you also, as a New York City actor, you've done something that, that lots of, of actors in that city have done, and you, you've done some soap operas. And I, I wanted to ask you about your soap opera work and, and the, the pace that is different in, in filming soaps, because you're out there cranking shows out that air five days a week. Tell me about your, your experience doing soap operas.
1: Well, the 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 first one was I only had I was a day player on Ryan's Hope. <clears throat> the second one I had a larger part on Loving, which ironically, the star was um, uh, Laura, Laura Lauren Lauren Marie Taylor, who was in Friday the Thirteenth too. Oh wow! And yeah, that's it, sort of like uncanny information, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, we're both we're both going down uh, this weekend to west virginia hamilton west virginia to do a uh a special appearance because as you know this friday is friday the 13th that's right and uh yeah you have to be a quick study you have to learn a lot of lines and you have to improvise and you got to be quick and sharp and and smart and of course lauren you know she was the star of the show and um it was a pretty good deal. You get, you get good money, and you're on TV. Or, I mean, you really have to be able to learn a lot of pages in a very short period of time, one night.
0: How do you do that? How do you learn all that dialogue? Because soap operas, of course, are very dialogue-driven. It's, it's different when you're in an action movie, and you're running around and shooting people with fake guns. But, but, but to learn all that dialogue, are there any tricks or techniques that you use to memorize all that? Yes.
1: Yes, the trick is called cue cards. <laughs> ah the cats out of the bag. And in, and improvisation. You know as long as you get a general idea, you know, it's even better sometimes when you start using your own dialogue and you know getting getting the idea across.
0: Rob Milkey is our guest. He played Officer Dorf in the horror classic Friday the 13th. I did my internet research on you, Ron, so I have to ask if these two things are true or false because you know you assume if it's on the internet ron it has to be true but i'm going to the source here is it true that you ron milkey taught reese witherspoon in an acting workshop
1: yes i didn't even know who she was i was working as the head of talent for the the modeling uh, profession i had i was working for the new york models contracts where i toured with these uh these it was a really pretty good deal where i was head of the acting department of these model searches with linda bennett new york models contracts and i worked with a lot of models and it was not <clears throat> at all a scammer ripoff some of them were discovered and they became international uh, models okay and we had agents from milan from new york and and so on one of these particular uh, gigs i had a little workshop afterwards i would go and do my my thing was uh with the models. And then I would go back four weeks later and do the Ron Milky TV commercial and soap opera seminar. (laughs) And it was somewhere in near Nashville. I don't remember exactly near Memphis, somewhere between Memphis and Nashville, Tennessee in which um, Reese Reese Witherspoon was uh, one of my students.
0: Wow. Don't remember her. her. Don't remember her at
1: all. I'm sorry.
0: Is there a picture out there somewhere of you and a young Reese Witherspoon?
1: I don't think so. I didn't even know. This was, she was in high school. Yeah. You know, she was, I didn't, I don't remember her. Terrible thing right. to
0: say, right? But, All right. Well, fair enough. So yes, you did instruct Reese Witherspoon. The th- second thing that I dug up on the internet that I have to ask you if, if this really happened, because if it did, you've got to come clean with me, Ron, because this is a, a rather embarrassing story. You were in a film playing uh, a prosecuting attorney. Ice-T was in the film. You had no idea who he was. And you asked him, <laughs> Ice-T, what kind of name is iced t did, did that <laughs> actually happen?
1: Oh, absolutely. I had no idea. Ah. I was not into, into the rap music. And uh, what happened on that, on that film, an interesting story, I had a part. I had a part as the prosecuting attorney or the DA. And I, was, I learned my lines, and I was all excited to be in the movie. And um, one of the assistant directors, one of the young women, comes over and says, Ron, um, look, at uh, I've got bad news for you. Uh, the producer wants to take your part. <clears throat> and I said, I want to see him. I'm a member of Screen Actors Guild. I want to see this producer. And so I went in there and he was a big record producer and he said I said look at uh, sir I'm you know I got this part and and I, and and I want you know I don't get much work and this is important to me and you're taking my part away from me so he says my man my man you come with me my man okay Ron's going to sit right here next to me so he played my part so I was next to him and um it was just really a silent bit but a lot of close ups so um I had uh, some business to do with papers and we're filming and then um, this guy behind me trying to be funny, and he starts messing with my papers, you know. And then after the director said cut, I said, excuse me, what are you doing? And he's, I'm just having fun, man. I says, well, no, you're not, because uh, I'm supposed to be, a, you know, a lawyer here, and you're, you're a, you know, a, a, you know a whatever you were, you know, a jailbird or something. <laughs> 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 and, he, and he's laughing, and I says, what's your name? And he said, Iced tea. And Vanessa Williams was sitting next to him and she was laughing. I didn't know what they were laughing at. So I said, Iced tea? Iced iced I C E D iced tea? That's your name? And he was he liked it. He got a big kick out. I had no idea who he was. And she said, He needs that. He needs that and he said, Iced tea, man, iced tea and then everybody informed me that he was a rock star. And yeah, that, that happened. Yeah, kind oh, of a big deal there, Ron.
0: Iced tea was a, kind of a big deal, and and look at you. You well, look, I hats off to you. You fessed up to your iced tea comment.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. It it really happened. I did not. You know, I, I was, I guess, sort of, you know as far as uh, I wasn't into the, uh, the rap hip hop music and I didn't know who he was. He was just starting his career, but he was already a rock star. Of course, then he went on to become more famous as an actor. I yep. had no idea who he was. And then they all told me and <laughs> I was kind of embarrassed, but, but Vanessa Williams got a big kick out of it that someone didn't know who he was. You
0: know. I love it. I love it. I, I also read that you have uh, authored a couple of books and and you may have one more on the way called Friday the 13th and other days which i think is a great title um how is writing different than than acting
1: uh it's it's different because you have to really get down to do it it's a lone it's a lonelier profession you know and there's there's nobody there to say okay get on the set you know let's do rehearsal whatever you just got to get to the computer you know or the typewriter Some of those books I wrote, got long out of of print, and one was about how you can appear in TV commercials, and it was published by a publishing company, Library of Congress number and all that, and then the follow-up was, you don't have to be beautiful to be a model, and that also was uh, Library of Congress uh, numbered. And then the autobiography, uh, Friday the 13th and Other Days, um, I was sort of conned into it by somebody who told me he wanted he owned a, a, a publishing company and he was going to publish my book and i i finished it and you know and uh it was never published and it's still i still have it in a in a in a briefcase in my closet and, and you know what i'm glad because i told too much information in that book the stuff that kind of private stuff and So, you know, it may be published yet one of these days. I want to go through it and add some stuff, and a lot has happened since that time. But it's the story of my life and the story of horror films. And uh, I wrote it more for, um, as opposed to the horror aficionados, I wrote it more for struggling actors. uh, Talked about the struggle to become an actor and some funny stories in it and uh, but some of it is very very personal so if i ever do decide to say self publish it i would uh, have to take out some bits and pieces and and add a lot has happened to me since that since i wrote that book but it's, oh, it's in the it's in my closet's in a briefcase 180 pages
0: as a guy who appeared in uh, Friday the 13th if you need to get in there and slash things you'll know how to do it
1: <laughs> who is that so Does now name start with
0: a j uh, that's exactly right as uh as okay. we wrap up with ron milkey from the cast of the original friday the 13th what is it that in your mind as someone who was intimately involved in in this movie and it's, it's been a part of your life now for decades what is it you think about this movie that has caused it to have that staying power
1: that's a good question, because um i don't know i don't know the answer what do you what would you say
0: you know it's um it's difficult to pin down because there's thousands of of horror movies that you know and tens of thousands of movies and and there are just a few that sort of make it into the the cultural lexicon, but that movie did, and it's of course spawned all those sequels. So I'm not sure what it is about that movie, other than it's the first one that that I remember, and I was just a kid then. That that was sort of graphic with uh, with the slasher stuff. You you in the Halloween home, yes. you knew that it was happening,
1: but they didn't show it in Friday
0: mm-hmm. the Thirteenth. Not a lot left of the imagination.
1: Well there you go. I think you hit a hit on it uh, Burke. Yes, because the fans today I asked them, you know, the the hardcore fans, uh, how old were you when you saw it? And they said, "Oh, wait, my parents wouldn't let me go see it, so my, you know, my buddies and I we snuck into the theater we were 13 yep. or I saw it in the basement of my my friend's apartment and we his parents didn't, you know, wouldn't didn't know what we were looking at." And so, yeah. So it was it was the The notoriety that this is something you cannot do, and when you're a kid, you know, or even some of them were in their teens and early twenties, and very impressionable, and and plus, as I said before, it was a neat little film. You had a good cast, you had a wonderful writer, and a sound effects man, and a wonderful director. So. It was it was good, but not. I mean, I had no idea there'd be twelve sequels. So it was a neat little horror movie, but like I like you, you hit on it. I think it was something that was forbidden, and when you're a teenager or whatever, and you're told something is forbidden, you want to see it.
0: You want it that much more, and folks are going to want Ron Milky every October forever now because of his role in this iconic film Friday the 13th and uh, he's doing a big Friday the 13th event back in my home state of West Virginia also uh, a neat event on October 21st in Bethpage, New York a horror con there at Mr. Beery's and uh, you can find out more about Ron online Uh, check him out on IMDB he's had a, a very interesting life and I sure appreciate you spending time with me today thank you so much
1: Oh, it was, prof- it was uh, I was going to say professional. You're a real pro is what I meant, and it was a pleasure.
0: That's Ron Milkey from the original Friday the 13th. Thank you so much for listening and checking out our big-time talker podcast with new episodes every Tuesday at iHeartMedia, Spotify, Apple iTunes, wherever podcasts are. Subscribe, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. From our studios here in Washington, D.C., I'm Burke Allen. For our guest, Ron Milky. thank you so much for listening. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.